Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today, I'm going to be accompanied by my grandfather and grandmother. They are going to be telling us what it was like trying to get married and some other stuff. My grandmother gives some more insight on a lot of other stuff. Hope you enjoy, like, and subscribe. Hello, welcome back to another episode. I'm here with my grandfather and grandmother. And they're going to tell you what they had to do to get married. Go ahead, guys. Well, we were I we were deployed on a routine mission to the Mediterranean, <laughs> which turned out to be anything but routine. It's when they had the Six-Day War over in the Mideast. And we became a hospital ship for the USS Lexington and people of that particular war. When that was finished, we came back. We had a tremendous storm in the Atlantic, which was very, very damaging to the ship. And when we got back to Mayport, Florida, they realized that extensive work had to be done to it. And the only place that could do it was Philadelphia shipyards. <clears throat> We were brought back to the Philadelphia shipyards for the repairs, and during that interim, I had the ability to go on Liberty and come visit my girlfriend, and we decided we were going to get married. And uh, it was a simple little operation. She's going to marry me. I'm going to marry her. We're going to settle down. I'm going to finish out my year in the Navy, and that's going to be the end of it. Well, it didn't turn out quite that well. I didn't realize that where I was working was a very restricted and very, very uh, secretive power plant. There were three ships. There was the USS Ranger, the USS Saratoga, and the USS Forrestal. USS Forrestal was CVA-59, Saratoga CVA-60, and the Ranger CVA-61. The Ranger and the Forrestal both had the same power plant. Saratoga had an experimental power plant, and it was very secretive at the time. I even looked it up on Wikipedia, and it says it was gas turbine. No, it wasn't. I know better. But we'll let Wikipedia say whatever it wants to. So anyway, I came home. We decided to get married. All of a sudden, I couldn't get married. I'm going to let my wife explain what happened. Well, I just got told that I couldn't marry your grandfather unless the captain approved it. And he had several pieces of paperwork that I had to complete. So I, I was just a tad bit upset because we'd already picked our wedding date. I had the gown. I had everything ready. And um, so I finally got the paperwork from the captain and... It really didn't have a whole lot to do with me. I had to put my given birth name, my birth date, where I was born, and the name of my parents. And then they each had paperwork that they had to fill out. And your great-grandfather and your great-grandmother had both served in World War II in the Army Air Corps. 
and I had no idea why I had to fill out all this paperwork anyway um, they had because of where they were serving top clearance and um, so as soon as the captain got all that information he said oh welcome to the USS Saratoga family you may get married so on uh, March 9th, by the way, which is next Tuesday, in the year 1968, your grandmother and I got married. And the rest is history. Sort of. <laughs> sort of. But it, it, it was an interesting thing. I didn't realize that my, my position where I worked was so classified because it, it still isn't right even in the books today, telling people how this ship was run. It was not run with gas turbines. I will say that. Um, I'm pretty certain the rest of it is still classified. It was an aircraft carrier. I can't tell you the weight of it. It was three football fields long and had the ability to go 40 miles an hour in the water. That's pretty fast. Okay, you take a 300-ton or 400-ton piece of equipment Sailing through the water at 40 miles an hour, you do not have water breaks. You better figure out how to slow this thing down. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> but it, it was. It was three football fields long. Uh, I think I did describe the designation of what the letter stood for in one of our previous encounters. The C stood for carrier, the V stood for angle deck, and the A stood for attack. It was an attack carrier. Uh, when it was taken to Philadelphia, it was recommissioned as a support carrier. They took all the guns off of it, and it became a, a uh, support carrier, which is CV or CVS. Okay. Do you guys have any more information about what you had to do? or is that <clears throat> Well, uh, I had to figure out how to get a weekend leave because uh, I worked every other weekend, on the ship, uh, standing watches, uh, even though we were in port and we had marine guards all around us, we still had to be in our designated areas standing watch so that no intruders came in. It was our job to maintain all the equipment. Okay. Uh, I would come home on the weekends. Uh, we would spend time together, go shopping, do whatever. Uh, uh, somewhere... Around August 27th, your uncle was born. Okay. Ah, anyway, your uncle came along sometime later, but he was quite the character. He was just this little tiny bundle of joy. I got out of the Navy, what, November 5th, and he, there he was. I was able to go to the hospital, and he was this little tiny bundle of joy. November, I got out November 5th, 5th, yes, that's when I got out. And there, this little tiny thing was waiting for me. That's Unique good. little individual. Unique, you know, he is something special <laughs> sometimes. And again, <clears throat> uh, her and I talked about me re-enlisting. I don't think I ever really wanted to. I think I wanted to stay home. I wanted to do something with my family, raise a family, get uh, 
get things going and we I guess we lived in an apartment for a little bit and finally we bought a house and started moving around and next thing you know here we are okay and here you are <laughs> well okay so I have a question what um when you guys came, when you came out of the navy okay and you guys settled down could you tell us more about how like what it was like coming out of the navy and the transition down? you mean yeah uh i'm going to be honest with you because of my exposure to different realms of the navy there were times when i was very angry uh your grandmother will admit probably that there were times that she would have liked to really just smack me upside the head, knock me in a corner a couple of times. Well, that's almost all the time. <laughs> well, <laughs> hasn't been anything. She hadn't hit me yet this week yet. It's just, <laughs> I still got a day to go. Really? So. <laughs> that's surprising. <laughs> but the, the transition was hard because I just came from, let's call it a battlefield condition, to the back porch condition. So you basically had P P do you have PTSD? Or? I don't know if I had it, if I was able to fight it, or if I had it, but I, I could control it. I can't answer that question. I do remember getting angry at a lot of things over a lot of things for no reason at all. Did you ever go see like a doctor for it? I did not. Uh, but no, I did not. Uh, at the time... I was so angry with the Navy. I even had a chance to go to work at the New Cumberland Army Depot on base. And I turned it down because I wanted nothing to do with the military ever again. Now, why is that? I, I just was so angry with them for the way, for what we were put through. And then when we came home for the way we were treated by the people who met us. If you weren't family, uh, you weren't liked. It, it didn't matter if you were in the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marines, the Coast Guard. You were an internal enemy to some of those people. Well, during that, that was the Vietnam War era. Mm -hmm. And it greatly divided our country. And yeah. I had friends from school that were killed in Vietnam. And I also had friends that fled to Canada. So they did not have to serve in the service. But when Poppy first went in the service, people would shake his hand and pat him on the back and, you know, thank him. But those were mostly the people who had served, the men and women who had served in World Prior. War II and World War I, and also during the Korean War. When he would come home closer to his discharge date, people would spit on him. Wow. And yell at him and call him a traitor. They would um, call me a baby killer and things like that. And uh, I guess for the longest time, uh, I mean, I had my uniform for a long time, but for the longest time, I would never wear it. I never wanted to wear it. Because of how the people treated you. Correct. And if they knew that you were in the army. Yes. Okay. I mean, it ended up in a, a duffel bag somewhere. I don't know if it was in the basement or the attic or wherever it might have been stored. It went away. Well, we actually had the opportunity to donate 
his uniform to the Luxembourg Museum in Luxembourg. And that's where it is. Because we freed, during World War II, we freed the Luxembourgians from Hitler. And um, they have a whole museum, and it's dedicated to the American service men and women. So his, um, his dress, uniform, dress his dress blues, with his uh, outlawed dragons. <laughs> yes, they were outlawed. They, um, were, they were called liberty cuffs. Are, is standing there with his likeness as the head. So it's, it's there. So what they did, they took my uniform. What we did, you would fold back your uniform. There used to be what we called piping on your arms. And it was three white stripes that went around your arms. And then there was three white stripes went down the flap in the back. And we would fold them back and they would sew, we would sew dragons on the inside of them. Terribly illegal. You could not have them. If, and you were forbidden to fold your cuffs back. You had to have your cuffs forward and buttoned. And that's the way you wore it. Well, you'd go on liberty, you'd have a couple beers, and next thing you know, you'd loosen up, you'd fold your cuffs back, and there you were. Short patrol come along, you were in trouble. <laughs> but my uniform ended up in Luxembourg. Now, why was the dragons illegal? It didn't matter what they were. They could have been dragons, they could have been stars and stripes, they could have been anything. Your uniform was the way it was supposed to be given. When it was issued to you, that's the way it was supposed to stay. The only thing you were allowed to have on it or your chevrons for your rating, or your uh, rockers for your ship name. Okay. That was the only thing you were allowed to have on them. Now, I know you guys did start a foster family, or something like that. Uh, yeah, okay, maybe. <laughs> yeah, like yes, uh, 50... We did, we did foster care. We had yes. 60 children, 60 not all at the same time. Uh, over the years, there were 60 couple children. I remember one Christmas, uh, every time that there was a foster child in the family, Nina would make a ceramic uh, tree ornament tree ornament, and put their name on it. And I remember one year when we decorated the Christmas tree, there was no room for Christmas balls because it was all covered with all these little ceramic doodads. Which, by, what, why did you guys get into that? I don't know. When I, when I was in um, high school... I had a girlfriend who had a sister whose husband was very abusive and they had um, a little boy and I hid him <laughs> from the father for a while until they could get, uh, get him arrested and put in jail and then she took the baby boy back. And I just thought that that was a wonderful thing to do. Okay. And we started doing it, and uh, over the course of time, there was a couple that we really, really liked and uh, hung on to them. Nice. Well, it was, it was a time when there weren't a lot of families that would help other people because they were trying, they were struggling themselves to keep things going. And um, we went through um, training. We They just didn't hand us children. We had to go through training. Yeah, you had to go through extensive training. Then you had, they didn't, had to be cleared. You had to be cleared. They even had background checks and stuff like that. Uh, 
So it it was interesting, and, and it wasn't like a nine to five job. They didn't call you at nine o'clock in the morning and say, "Oh, we you know we have this lovely little two year old. Uh, would you like to take care of him for a while?" Uh, you would get called all you might times have been called of the at day three o'clock in the morning. And sometimes, one time they called us. Uh, we we were living in the Poconos, and they called us at three Christmas Eve morning for oh, a family of five children who they had found in a motel room left alone. So we took them, but I always kept extra Christmas presents yeah. for various age groups so that everybody, no matter who, had Got something. Got something, yeah. It was a... From the time I got out of the service and my anger that I felt till we started doing the, the foster training, I think I did a 180-degree turnaround. You kind of mellowed out. Well, I, I don't think I... <laughs> yeah, 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 well, you did. you could call it mellowed. You could call it mellowing, However, but I don't know. most people wouldn't have called it mellowed, but for him personally, yes, he mellowed. But, I, he, but he also neglected to tell you that he did re-up as a reserve and I think that helped a good bit we're going back as a reserve but instead reserves, of going back full yeah. time right okay uh, he got a while. chance to talk to other guys that had been in the service and when he mustered out um, there were a group of them that had been in the same the, the same department compartment yeah and we all mustered out within two months of each other and we kept in very close contact we would go visit each other yeah and... tom lived in uh, reading uh, uh swinehart lives in uh wellsboro wellsboro uh tg uh, geiger lives in uh merle wisconsin now so we so all spread out now yeah they've all spread out we had uh, i remember one guy we called him spanky but I, I, and honestly, I don't know his real name. You don't know his real name? I don't know his real name. We call him Spanky. That was his nickname. And that's... That don't know it. his last name? No. Nope. Wow. We just call him Spanky. Okay. Um, you know, we, we would get together um, when they were in, um, in Virginia. We'd get together uh, on weekends. And, and all of the women would commiserate with each other about how awful the husbands were <laughs> and the husbands <laughs> would do the same about the wives but we always had a good time and we kept in, in close contact with several of those families and I think that helped because they were all experiencing the same things that we were they were trying to get jobs they you know were having trouble with people in the community being mean rude you know downright awful and um you know, there were, it was a hard time because jobs were not available, readily available. And uh, people that didn't go in the service didn't want to give the servicemen a chance. So it, it was tough. But, you know, it's all worked out. And I think everybody survived um, as best as we could. Yeah, we survived pretty much, uh... But I think it helped to have the support of the families that already knew each other. And then when we got out, when we mustered out, and, you know, we all had children, and we, we could keep in contact with what our kids were doing. And 
Um, and then as the time progressed, we found more families that we knew that we were surprised were in the same, um, on the same ship, in the same unit, mm -hmm. um, had been in the same location, maybe on a different carrier or, or on the ground in the army. Um, there was a lot of, uh... you know, it, it was good as a community of service people. And that was very helpful to us. And, and I think every wartime factor has that same, if you can connect with somebody that you, you did can... the same, had the same feelings, it helps you progress through your life better. Yeah, you become your, the two of, the two like my friend, you know, Chris, when we get together, uh, we vent. Just him and I, we vent. Nobody else hears us. We got it out of our system. And we walk away and say, okay. And we do our next thing or go shopping or do whatever we're supposed to do. But there are moments when we vent. But we don't do it. If, if I was to vent at Nina, it would cause some big problems because she would say, well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also think that in this day and age, it's a little different because people are more readily available and eager to tell how they feel. But when I was a child growing up, my parents and my uncles who served in the service wouldn't talk about it. They did not talk about what they did during the war or how the war affected them. And I had an uncle who actually served at the Battle of the Bulge and he could not stay overnight if he wasn't in his own house. So he, they would drive to visit us from New Hampshire and turn around and drive home because he couldn't, he couldn't spend a night out of his own home because of the, the traumatic... The exposure and the traumatic experience, yeah. And, uh, and they didn't talk about it. And I didn't know what my parents did in World War II until... I was in my late 40s or early 50s. It took them 50 years to be able to talk about it. So I think today people have the ability and the willingness to talk about things which they didn't have then. You know, it was secret. Well, it, it was a long time before I would talk about it uh, until one day I, uh, we were in the Poconos, I guess it was, and Joy asked me a question about it. And I felt, okay, this is the time to tell him. Okay, so we're going to end it there. Okay. Alrighty. Thank you guys for listening. Like and subscribe. Catch you on the next episode.